Hey, Jess. Hello. Long time no see. Well, it's been our normal. I know. It's like it's not. It's it's about our as normal, normal as it gets. time apart. It's been crazy though. It's no been, kidding. Yeah. Jess has some exciting news. Yes, I start a new job on ow, ow. the sixth. So. Ow ow! Yay! So proud of you. You worked so hard for it. Yeah, I've been doing like a bunch of interviews and stuff. So it's been kind of a uh, real life has been a little crazy. Real life is nuts. Real life is nuts. Podcast life is fun. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. This is our. I think that's that's why we're here. <laughs> alternate life or alt right. life. <laughs> right. <laughs> I still use it as a fun fact, with like work. <laughs> Do you really like where it's yeah. like? True, two truths and a lie. Yeah, yeah. That's or funny. like, yeah. If you have to like list an amount of fun facts, one of them is always, "I have a true crime podcast." That's funny. I'll say I only say it like, I almost I almost never say it. But if it's something that like they're an interesting person, and I'm like, yeah, you think you're interesting? <laughs> Guess who has a podcast? And then I'll kind of throw it in there. Just just a humble brag. Just like humble brag, right? Like, actually, I don't just take naps. I (laughs) podcast. (laughs) I'm not just a napper. (laughs) So basically, what I tell people, I'm like, yeah, I uh, I sit on my couch a lot and I sleep, and you know, oh, I have a podcast. (laughs) It's cool. Yeah, it's cool. We like it. We hope you guys like it. I mean, we're gonna keep doing it, so. Right? I don't even know what episode we're on anymore. Uh, I think we're in the 40s. Are we? I think I we're almost... I think we're still in the 30s, but we're close. Maybe. Maybe that's what it, Maybe that's what my thought was. My thoughts are lost now. Yeah. So many naps. <laughs> Too many naps. <laughs> Too many naps. Oh my gosh. So Jess, what are we doing today? You're not going to be napping during this, I promise you. Oh, I'm excited. Um, so today I'm going to talk about a case that actually recently made national news. There's a lot of unanswered questions. And I hate these. I know. I love a wrapped up case. It's okay. It's okay. (laughs) But there's a lot up in the air because not only is it current, but it spans possibly over 30 years. Okay, damn. Yeah. So today, I'm talking about the Long Island serial killers. And I say it like that because there's one guy, but there might be multiple guys. Oh my gosh. (laughs) The unknown. Here we go. And I'm gonna get into it. (laughs) Oh, the unknown. So this is going to be kind of a long one just because I want to give you all of the information that I found that's available out there. Um, so <laughs> I was about to say, I really need all the information for all the unknowns to come. 
Right, exactly. And this is something that we're definitely going to like keep up with um, as things come out. <laughs> okay. So in July 2023, literally last month, a man named Rex Heuerman was arrested in Midtown, Midtown Manhattan for the murders of Melissa Bartholomew, Megan Waterman, and Amber Costello. He okay, was, so three women off the bat. Yes. And he was okay. also listed as a prime suspect in the murder of Maureen Bernard Barnes. And he pleaded not guilty to those. So, four women right now, right? There are many more bodies that have been found and not yet linked to Rex himself. So my question is, are these all related? Um, Could there be more than one serial killer? And we'll try to figure that out, but I mean... What if it's like a team? What if it's it's, a team of serial killers? Maybe. Oh, gross. I don't think anything's like out of the question here. Oh, God. Okay. You'll see. Okay. I'm listening. (laughs) Okay, I'm just going to keep listening. So first I'm going to talk about Rex and his victims that we know of um and then i'll go into like some of the other bodies that police has have found and um yeah we'll just keep going with this um so rex hewerman is a 59 year old quote family man who was living with his second wife and two adult children in suffolk suffolk county at the time of his arrest he was the president of an architecture firm that he founded in 1994. He was born and raised in Long Island, but have worked in Manhattan since 1987. His firm is located in Midtown Manhattan, which we will find to be significant later. Is that like a flex? Like, is that like a swanky thing kind (laughs) of? Right? Like, I feel like, I don't know. Yeah, I guess. Like. Fancy real estate. I make a lot of money. I'm in, you know. Yeah. I mean, it's funny you say that. It's funny you say that because some acquaintances describe him as arrogant. Whereas other acquaintances describe him as creepy. So, what a mix. (laughs) Specifically, a woman named Dominique Vidal, who was an interior designer in the same networking group as Rex, said that he repeatedly called her and would leave weird voicemails, even though they had never actually worked together. Okay, so she's obviously one of the ones that finds him creepy. Correct, yes. <laughs> okay. Yes. Um, in March of 2022, he became a suspect when a witness came forward in regards to Amber Costello's disappearance describing a Chevrolet avalanche avalanche that police found uh, belonged to Rex. So when they started digging a little deeper into the guy, authorities found cell phone records indicating that he had been in contact with three of the four victims. They also found that he had been looking up the um, investigation status online Specifically, why could law enforcement not trace the calls made by the Long Island serial killer? Why hasn't the Long Island serial killer been caught? And new phone technology may be key to break in case. 
Okay, big old jaw drop to all of that. What? Yeah. That's really suspicious. It's it's damn like, incriminating. It's, <laughs> it's, it's damning. But for real. That's yeah. insane. Yeah. To be looking up all those things. Like, I mean, like, I, I, you know, I say that. I feel like maybe you and I would be searching things like that. But <laughs> at the same time, we would not have contact with three of the victims. Right. What? Right. And if, okay, so say police are, like, looking at our shit, right? I feel like they would know that we are podcasters, true crime podcasters. Like, it's easy I mean, to find. It's cool out there. Are they going to know that? Like, <laughs> if, if we're that cool. <laughs> like, it's out there. But, like, we would have looked up multiple things, not just, like, one. I guess I see right, your point. Right, right. Yeah. Okay, good point. Good point. Um. So, court records also indicated that he searched for, quote, sadistic materials child pornography and images of the victims and their relatives okay immediate turn that i don't like but like okay same um during a, yeah <laughs> during a search of his home his dna was taken from a pizza box and it partially matched a hair from the burlap wrappings on one of the bodies that i'll talk about later um and a potential match was also find found to his wife when comparing hair found on or near three of the victims. I want to go dun dun dun. But investigators said that his wife and children were out of state at the time the killings were believed to have occurred. Convenient. Yeah, so she necessarily doesn't have anything to do with them, but I think it just proves like well, you know, you're a girl. Our hair sheds like crazy. Like, they are attached to everything. And they could be attached to Rex clothes or whatever. Like, there are so many of my hairs weaved <laughs> into Zach's clothes. Like, it's not even funny. Like, like it'll just be like, yes. why is your shirt growing my hair at the moment? Like, when you start to pull it, you know? So, yeah, no, that's definitely yes. not fetch. Also, maybe, like, having, like, a dog. Did he have a dog? Do we feed a dog? I don't think so. Because those things should too, you know? Yeah. So now I'm going to talk about the women that we know Rex was involved with their disappearance and murders. Um, And these women will be known in like newspaper articles and the media as the Gilgo Four because they were all found on or near Gilgo Beach. So the first woman I am going to talk about is Maureen Bernard Bernard Barnes. So Maureen was 25 years old when she disappeared. She was last seen on July 9th, 2007, when she planned on spending the day in New York City. She was from Norwich, Connecticut, and she was very petite at about 4 foot 11 and 105 pounds. Itty bitty lady. Yeah. She... Like many other women that we'll learn about today, um, she worked as a sex worker, uh, specifically on Craigslist, to help pay the mortgage on her house. It seems like she had gotten out of sex work for about seven months and then ended up jumping back in so she could pay bills after receiving an eviction notice. Her body was found in December 2010. So a whole three years after she went missing? Yes. Oh, wow. Okay. Okay. Yeah. 
So shortly after her disappearance, Sarah Carnes, who was a friend of Maureen's, received a call from an unfamiliar number. The man on the other end of the phone said that he had just seen Maureen and that she was alive staying at a, quote, whorehouse in Queens. When she asked him who he was, he refused to identify himself and couldn't tell her where the location of the whorehouse was. The guy on the phone said he would call her back to give her an address, but he never called called her back again. I, I'm just, like, trying to process that. That's odd. Right. You know, like, it's not, like, alarming, but it's odd. No, it's odd because he's, like, oh, she. he's clearly, like, putting her down as, like, a whore to her friend. And he gets, obviously gets some jollies out of that, like, so... It's, it's weird, like you said. <laughs> when telling police, um, she said that he, the guy didn't have a discernible New York or Boston accent. And at the time of her disappearance, Maureen was working at a Super 8 in Manhattan. The night she went missing, she had called a friend and told her that she was planning to meet a client outside of the motel. And then she was never heard from. So. Okay, so she was into like... I mean, I don't want to call it shady business, but, like, under-the-table business anyway. So, I mean, it's... I don't know. Again, not shady, just under-the-table. <laughs> yeah. So, I mean, you'll find a common theme between these women. Uh, they're all sex workers uh, that mostly post on Craigslist for... I know you're like, I see your face. It's like weird. <laughs> I'm like, not that I've ever thought about being a sex worker, but I think if I had, Craigslist just wouldn't be <laughs> where I post well, my now, business. Well, now there's like OnlyFans and stuff, but like, I feel like back then that was not a thing and I don't know, you got to do what you got to do. Yeah, no, that's more than fair. Very yeah. true. Um, so now I'm going to talk about Melissa Bartholomew. Melissa was 24 years old when she went missing on July 12, 2009. She was living in the Bronx and worked as a sex worker also through Craigslist. On the night she went missing, she met with a client, deposited $900 into her bank account, and tried calling an ex-boyfriend, but he didn't pick up. About a week after Melissa's disappearance, her little sister Amanda started receiving vulgar and mocking phone calls from a man who may have been using Melissa's phone and would ask if Amanda was a, quote, whore like her sister. Oh my god. That's freaking terrible. Yeah. Like, not only is her sister missing now, but now she's gonna be fucking terrorized by somebody calling, oh my gosh, from her sister's phone? Yeah. Isn't like, it? that's yeah. terrible. I know. And twi- Like, that's next level twisted. Yep. Completely agree. So the calls kept coming and getting more and more disturbing to the point that the the caller stated her sister was dead and that he was going to, quote, watch her rot, which is, I could not imagine the emotions. Like, what the hell? I just, I would just, I, I don't have words. Like, I literally let, like, I'm tripping up. That is sick. Yeah. His, her poor sister. Yeah, I know. The, yeah. The police traced some of the calls to Madison Square Garden, but were unable to determine who was making them. 
Her mother noted that there were a lot of calls going out to Manorville from Melissa's phone around the time of her disappearance, which Manorville is a like town near Long Island. Melissa was four foot ten and ninety five pounds. Okay, she's literally smaller. Yeah. That's okay, so like definitely MO. Yes. Super tiny sex worker. Yes. On Craigslist. On Craigslist. Is that's, Craigslist. that's what okay. it seems to be, yeah. Like a twist on the Craigslist killer. Yeah. So now I'm gonna talk about Megan Waterman, which is the third victim. Um, Megan was 22 years old when she went missing. She was from South Portland, Maine. On June 6, 2010, after placing advertisements on Craigslist as an escort, she told her 20-year-old boyfriend that she was going out and would call him later. At the time of her disappearance, she was staying at a motel in Hapog, New York. I don't know how to pronounce that, but H-A-U-P-P-A-U-G-E. Hapogue, that's how, what I'm going with, Hapogue, New York, which was 15 miles northeast of Gilgo Beach. Her body was recovered in December of 2010. She was a mother of one and had become a victim of sex trafficking. She was five foot five inches tall. So she had a boyfriend, was a mom, mm-hmm. but was also like... Looped into sex trafficking? Yes. Okay. Um, but And then somehow that was all on Craigslist, too. Yes. Like, maybe, like, her pimp was, like, Craigslist yeah. for you. I, yeah, I don't know. <laughs> okay. I mean, thankfully, neither one of us really knows how that would work. Yeah. But just an interesting twist, I guess. I don't know. Correct. I'm just trying to oh, make well, it Well, and that's, sense. like, that's kind of all I found um, yeah. regarding that. Um, so, hmm. I just... Wanted to give you everything that I had. So, like I said, I need the information. Yeah. Okay. And then the last girl I'm going to talk about related to Rex, uh, in relation to, sorry, not related, um, in relation to Rex is Amber Lynn Costello. Amber was 27 years old when she went missing. She was from West Babylon, New York. Um, this town was 10 miles north of Gilgo Beach. On September 2nd, 2010 she went to meet a client who had called her several times offering her $1,500 for her services which I feel like is a lot but I don't know I guess it depends what the going rate is in Long Beach I mean I don't (laughs) (laughs) I don't know um Amber was not immediately reported missing because her family from Wilmington North Carolina thought she was in rehab so not hearing for from her was like common with someone being in rehab. So they weren't sus until a while later. Did, I mean, like, I don't know. I feel like if it was my kid, it'd be like, you know, she frequents the same rehab. I'm going to check on her. I don't know. Yeah. I, I mean, I don't know. Thankfully, I don't know. I can't be judging literally anybody, but I, I don't know. I don't know. Yeah. I mean, they obviously ended up finding out that she was missing, so. Prior to moving to West Babylon, Amber was living with her second husband in Clearwater, Florida, and worked as a waitress. She had a really tough childhood. Um, She was really, really smart, but when she was six, 
she was sexually assaulted by a neighbor and turned to drugs as a teen. It's so crazy how these how things like that can just totally fuck people's lives up. It's really, really, really sad. Um, Amber was four foot eleven and weighed one hundred pounds. So they're all like super teeny they're tiny. So <laughs> teeny, I know. Well, it's funny because like Jess, how tall are you? <laughs> like. 5'11 and three quarters, according to my doctor. <laughs> oh, okay, okay. So we're not going to say six foot. No. <laughs> okay. Gotcha, gotcha. But, like, I don't know. I'm just thinking, like, somebody trying to kidnap Jess. It's like, okay. But kidnapping somebody that's under five foot, like, yeah. you know, I was like, they're these, teeny. These girls are literally a foot plus shorter than me. So now I'm going to talk about what kind of started the search for or like how the all these bodies were like recovered um so in may of 2010 9 received a call from a distressed 24 year old named shannon gilbert she was a sex worker who had fled from a client's home and said on the 23 minute call quote they are trying to kill me okay okay so then my whole group of serial killers idea really kind of yep. hits home with that one. Yep. Okay, that's creepy too. That's really fucking creepy. Mm-hmm. She was last seen banging on a resident's door and screaming for help before running off into the night. And, and I'll talk more about her specifically um, a little later on. But that's kind of what kicked this off because in June 2010... The Suffolk County PD's missing persons unit asked um, Officer Malia to search for Shannon. So they're searching for Shannon and found three other bodies. Well, yeah, I'll get into that. Damn. Okay. Okay. <laughs> um, so over the summer of 2010, he and his German Shepherd cadaver dog named Blue searched the gated beach community that she had last been, been seen in. Um, when searching on December 11th, so literally like four months later, Blue alerted to a burlap bag that contained a skeleton. The remains were later identified as not Shannon's, but Melissa Bartholomew's. And that's the one that had the wife's hair on it. I, uh, one of them did. I don't know. Okay. Damn. Okay. Okay. So, while police searched the area for further evidence, they found three additional bodies. The other three bodies belonged to Maureen, Megan, and Amber. All four bodies were found within 500 feet of each other. That's like a, like, that's a graveyard. Yes. That this group or single person has created. Yes. Oh my god. But we're not done. In March 2011, partial remains of Jessica Taylor were found along Ocean Parkway. Eight years earlier, in 2003, other parts of her remains were found in Manorville in Suffolk County. In April of 2011, police discovered three additional sets of remains that belonged to, quote, not quote, sorry, belonged to a female toddler who was un- unidentified 
an unidentified oh my god yeah an unidentified Asian male and Valerie oh. Mack who like Jessica was partly found earlier in Manorville okay are th- okay are these connected because of the sacks like is that what makes them connected or these are just bodies found while searching these, for this one woman that went missing these are bodies found <gasps> while looking so not okay, all okay. of them are in burlap sacks okay. I don't know how many are in burlap sacks. I think police are keeping some information to themselves until they actually figure out, you know, who's doing these things. Um, so, <laughs> yeah, they find. But that's insane and, like, honestly, like, doesn't fit the description, like, not even relatively close, of the other women. But if it's a group of people, maybe they have different memos. I don't know. There's so many questions. I hate... Ooh, I hate this. So, some of these victims are obviously still unidentified. Some are identified. Um, And I'm going to go through all of them. Just so you can have that information. Think about it. Decide for yourself if you think it's related or not. And I'll tell you what police think, too. Like a puzzle. Yeah. I'm giving you all the pieces here. Thank you. <laughs> okay. So two more bodies were found in Nassau County belonging to Karen Vergata, whose partial remains had been found in 1996 on Fire Island. And um, the other body belonged to an unidentified woman who was found to be the mother of the unidentified t- toddler that I previously talked about. Oh, so a mom and her kid went missing at the same time? Yeah, so the mom had a tattoo of peaches on her body. Okay. Just as an identifier. Oh, okay. I was like, okay, yeah. <laughs> I'm going to make this work in my brain. <laughs> <laughs> on May 9th, 2011, police speculated that Valerie Mack and Jessica Taylor may have been murdered by a second separate killer. Due to the common characteristics of the conditions of the remains, on November 29th, 2011, police announced that they believe one person to be responsible for all 10 murders and that the killer is from Long Island. So they're kind of contradicting themselves. They don't know what to believe, but they announced that they think it's one person. Yeah, like they don't know what's going. They literally gave different end of the spectrum yeah. answers. <laughs> yes, exactly. But okay, whatever. I think they're covering their butts, but <laughs> um, so in June 2011, Suffolk County Police offered a twenty-five thousand dollar reward for information leading to an arrest in the Long Island murders. On December tenth, twenty fifteen. Tim Seney, who is the Suffolk County Police Commissioner, announced that the FBI had officially joined the investigation. The former police chief, James Burke, who was previously involved in this case, was reported to have blocked FBI involvement for years. Excuse me? Years? Years. Oh my god. And in November 2016, Burke was sentenced to 46 months in federal prison for assault and conspiracy. On January 16th, 2020, the new Suffolk County Police Commissioner Geraldine Hart released images of a belt found at the crime scene with letters HM or WH embossed in black leather. 
The belts had been found in the first investigation near Ocean Parkway in Google Beach. The police had thought that the belt belonged to the killer, and they released very few details about the, the value of the belt and wouldn't comment on where exactly it was found. So like I said, normally police do this in like investigations where they keep some information privy to themselves until because that information could help them catch the killer yeah i don't know i'm just like thinking i'm like that's just i i don't know i know that there's a rhyme and a reason but at the same time if i want all the pieces why wouldn't the public want all the pieces to help put the puzzle together you know what i mean i don't know yeah i mean there i mean i would like to say that we would we're helpful people and there are helpful people out there but there's also people out there that like aren't and they could sabotage this or just be oh, like that's true you're talking yeah. about like the real crazy terrible people out there <laughs> yes yeah right right so um also announced in 2020 was a new scientist was new scientific evidence um being used and due to genetic genealogy on May 28th, Jane Doe number six was identified as Valerie Mack, who also went by the name Melissa Taylor. On August 4th, 2023, Jane Doe t- number seven was revealed to be Karen Vergata. And I'll talk about both of those women and what happened to them. So um, going into that, additional victims found and identified that Rex supposedly isn't a part of, but I don't know. Um, <clears throat> these are like the, the, t- the TBDs, the to be determined. Yes. Yes. Um, so first is Valerie Mack slash Melissa Taylor slash Manorville Jane Doe slash Jane Doe number six. So she was known by police as Jane Doe number six and then also Manorville Jane Doe and then with genetic testing um she finally has a name she has a name and she has two names valerie mack and melissa taylor i think melissa taylor was like her like undercover name or like her sex worker name or you know her her play name yes so valerie was 24 years old living in philadelphia and working as an escort when she went missing in 2000 she was five foot wearing weighing 100 pounds her partial remains were found in manorville on november 19th 2000 but were not identified until 2020 her torso was found wrapped in garbage bags and dumped into the woods near the intersection of halsey manor road and mill road on in manorville a head right foot and hands were found on april 4th 2011 and originally belonged to an unidentified woman dubbed, quote, Jane Doe number six. It was later determined that they belonged to the same woman whose torso was found back in 2000. So they're connecting the dots. That's just awful. I know. That's just terrible. Yeah. Um, Her right foot had been cut off high above the ankle, possibly to conceal a tattoo or birthmark. On May 28, 2020, police announced the remains had belonged to Valerie Mack, who was last seen in New Jersey in the spring or summer of 2000. So, like, 20 years later, they're talking about her remains. That's Mm -hmm. nuts, dude. Like, that timeline is insane. Yeah, but I'm just happy that there is 
genetic testing now. True, true. Big true. Because they still wouldn't know who she was if, mm-hmm. you know. And a lot yeah. of these, a lot of this is, you know, being guided by, by genetic testing. Um, so now I'm going to talk about Jessica Taylor. Jessica was 20 years old, living in Manhattan, working as a sex worker when she went missing on July 21st, 2003. She was last seen working around the Port Authority bus terminal in Manhattan. On July 26, 2003, her naked and dismembered torso was covered was discovered 45 miles east of Gilgo Beach in Manorville, New York. Her torso was found at the top of a pile of scrap wood off of Halsey Manor Road. Plastic sheeting was found underneath the torso, and a tattoo had been mutilated with a sharp instrument. Oh my gosh. Further remains, including a skull, pair of hands, and a forearm, were found on March 29, 2011, that matched Jessica. See, I feel like these that we're talking about are a lot worse than the ones we were talking about earlier. Because, like, these bodies are being dis- like dis- dis- disconnected. But so were the others. The others were their their as bodies well. were all oh. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah, so there's all so obviously the MO is sex workers. Right. Tiny sex, sex workers. Short, tiny sex workers, dismemberment and like just spreading their yeah. bodies. Everywhere. And then putting them around Long Island. Yes. Yeah. Gosh. Okay. So next I'm going to talk about Karen Vergata, who is also known as Fire Island Jane Doe and Jane Doe number 7. Karen was older. She was 34 years old and was believed to be working as a sex worker when she disappeared in 1996. She wasn't publicly identified until 2022 through genetic testing. Her severed legs were found in a garbage bag on Fire Island on April 20th, 1996. Fifteen years later, in 2011, her skull and several of her teeth were recovered at Tobey Beach. A, the timeline is so flabbergasted. Like, I, again, like you said, genetic testing for the win. But, like, this is insane. This is nuts. This is, like, over decades and decades. Decades. This is crazy. I know. I know, and it's like, I'm I'm curious if they're like still finding more because there's literally so many bodies. It's like a dumping ground. It's insane. Also, I think it's interesting that they had one Jane Doe tested a year before the other Jane Doe. Like, I don't know what the timeline looks like or anything like that, but it's the genetic testing is genetic genealogy. So someone sends in their DNA r- relating to them. Oh. Yes. So, oh, my mind just, oh. Oh, so it's like. So like 23andMe, all right. that kind of stuff. That's exactly, People send yes. in their stuff and it uh-huh. gets logged and oh, yeah. Wow. Okay. Yeah. Damn. It makes me want to do it, but like not that I know anybody that's yeah. missing that I've been related to, but. Yeah. I mean. I mean, shit, if you are related to somebody that's missing, I would be Do doing it. this, right? Like, Yeah. Damn, that's crazy. Yeah. Okay, so I'm going to talk about um, 
the additional victims that are unidentified. So the first one I'm going to talk about is Peaches slash Jane Doe number three. So the mama of the toddler. Um, on June 28, 1997, the dismembered torso of an unidentified young African-American woman was found at Hampstead Lake State Park in Lakeview, New York. The torso was found in a green plastic Rubbermaid container, which was dumped next to a road running along the lake. The victim had a tattoo of a heart-shaped peach with a bite out of it, with two drips falling from its core on her left breast. In 2011, police discovered dismembered skeletal remains inside a plastic bag near Jones Beach State Park. In December of 2016, the remains were matched to the torso as being from the same person. Was it also because of genetic testing? No, that was just they tested the DNA and matched it to the torso because they're finding body parts like everywhere so they're like okay what belongs to oh so like at this point they're connecting like okay well we need to test against the other limbs that we found exactly terrible but god okay yeah so dna analysis also identified her as the mother of baby doe peaches and baby doe were wearing gold jewelry similar to each other so sad So now I'm going to talk about baby doe. A skeleton of a female toddler between the ages of 16 and 24 months of age was found on April 4th, 2011, about 250 feet away from the partial partial remains of Valerie Mack. Oh, poor baby. Yeah. The body was wrapped in a blanket and showed no visible signs of trauma. I mean, okay, that's the slightest of a good thing. So I feel like I'm going to say something and throw it out there. But I feel like the killer was obviously has this complex where, you know, sex workers are bad and like they need to be, he's putting them in burlap sacks or trash bags, like garbage and tossing them away. But he wrapped this baby in a blanket, and that kind of is, like, caring for it. I wonder why he killed the baby. You know, like, toddlers wouldn't remember anything. Like, why even kill the toddler? That's a little interesting. What is he going to do with it? Leave it at the fire station. Obviously, we're dealing with someone who's not a good person, so... Right, 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 (laughs) right. I keep forgetting that part. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) But, yeah, I don't know. But I see... No, I definitely see the pattern you're bringing up, for sure. Like, the the psyche here and what he's... What's going through his mind, for sure. Yeah. I'm I'm just assuming that's what's going through his mind. Um, But, yeah. So, now I'm going to talk about the Asian male... The body of a young Asian male who had died from blunt force trauma was also discovered on April 4, 2011 at Gilgo Beach. The victim was found wearing women's clothing and may have been a transgender woman. This whole time, I was thinking, this is the most far-fetched. Like, the kid is pretty far-fetched, but, like, obviously being attached to the mom, okay. But, like, the the guy was far-fetched, and now it's like, oh... Mm -hmm. Mm, 
Okay. Yeah. The victim was between 17 and 23 years old, was 5 foot 6, was missing four teeth, and may have had a musculoskeletal disorder that affects his gait. Um, in 2011, the victim had been dead between 5 and 10 years. Um, in September of 2011, the police released a male composite sketch of the victim in hopes to, like, have someone come forward saying that they know who this is. Right. Like, hey, is this somebody's kid? Yeah. Is this somebody's cousin, uncle, you know? Like, anybody know this guy? Yeah. Aww. So those are the three unidentified um, victims. So now I'm going to talk about other possible victims. Um Again, we're going to go through identified bodies and unidentified. So these could potentially be linked. I don't think police think they are. But some of them are like too similar to not be, in my opinion. (laughs) To me, then I'm okay. I need to quit talking. I'm just interested. I'm like, okay, well, then I just... How are they separating them? Like, oh, no, no, no. That's a sex worker in her early 20s that's under 5 right. foot and 100 pounds. Like, that can't right. be it. Like, why? I know. I know. Okay. Um, the first woman I'm going to talk about is Tina Elizabeth Foglia. Tina was 19 years old when she went missing on February 1st, 1982. She was at Hammerhead's music venue on Sunrise Highway. And she had hitchhiked from her home to see a friend perform with a band at that venue. Her remains were found by Department of Transportation workers two days later on the shoulder of the Stagticos State Parkway in Suffolk County. So this girl just went to a concert, normal, hitchhiked, and then was dead, basically. Just like that. Yeah. Okay. Yep. Terrible. Her dismembered body was placed in three separate plastic garbage bags. A diamond ring was missing from her finger, and the DNA of an unknown male was found on the garbage bags. Police have not ruled out that Tina may have been an early victim of the Long Island serial killer. Because this was back in the 80s. Right, like this would have had to been like, like... Yeah, like an OG. Yeah. When things start to escalate, you know, like almost a trial thing. Mm -hmm. So Jacqueline Ashley Smith is the next woman. She was 16 years old when she went missing. She was last seen in Brooklyn, New York on August 7th, 1999. She left her home around 9 a.m. to see, or 9 p.m. to see some friends, but never returned home. She was reported missing on August 12th. On June 20th, 2000. An unidentified female torso torso was found in a plastic bag wrapped with tape near Beach 88th Street in Queens. No other body parts were discovered. So, like, the majority of her body is still out there somewhere. Oh, God, that's awful. Now I'm going to talk about Andre Jamal Isaac. Andre was a professional drag queen known as Sugar Bear. He was tall, six foot five, and was 25 years old when he disappeared in November of 2002. Isaac was last seen by a friend shortly before Thanksgiving, getting into a car with, quote, a secret friend. The vehicle was described hmm. as a red BMW coupe that was driven by a Hispanic man. 
His torso was found close to the boardwalk on Beach 63 Street, which was not far from where Jacqueline's torso was discovered on December 17, 2002. On January 25, 2003, his head was discovered by ice skaters in East Mill Pond in Suffolk County with a single bullet wound to a temple. His arms and legs were later found several miles away in plastic bags. I wonder if, like, the serial killer again started with these people and that's how he got to his they have to be under 100 pounds because this guy was hard to carry and under five foot for the same reason you know like i wonder if that was like trial and error i don't know it's possible gross but maybe yeah so next i'm gonna talk about jamie diane seymour jamie was a 21 year old uh from new york or, sorry, Jamie was a 21-year-old from New Jersey who was last heard from on July 22, 2005. She called her father, saying she needed a ride to the Port Authority. She used someone else's phone at the Manhattan Port Authority to call her mother later that day, but she hadn't been heard from since. After the final call to her mother, they hadn't heard from her in two weeks, and on August 8th, her father reported her missing. Jamie had been a drug user and also had a criminal record. No body had has been found, but her family believes that there was foul play foul play involved. The police, however, have never indicated any connection between her disappearance and the Long Island serial killer. So she's not even a body. She's just worth noting that Correct. at the same time she happened to go missing. Okay. Gotcha. Correct. And I will give you another similarity. She was young and petite, like other victims. She also vanished in July around the same time as Melissa, Maureen, and Jessica. And she was last seen at the same place as Jessica, which was the Port Authority bus station in Midtown. I mean, that's pretty suspiciously similar. Like, to me, that just sounds like they haven't found her body. Correct. That's what it sounds like to me. Yeah. Oh, God. To be her parents. Oh. Yeah. So now I'm going to talk about Tanya Rush. Tanya was 39 years old when she went missing. She was last seen on June 23, 2008, around 3 a.m. walking towards a subway station in Brooklyn. On June 27, 2008, her dismembered body was found by a state road cleaning crew inside a black canvas suitcase that was on the Newbridge Road ramp leading to Southern State Parkway in Belmore, New York. Tanya was a mother of three and worked in telemarketing, and she took up sex work to support a drug addiction. I was about to say mother of three, but then yep, the sex worker kind of nails the head. Yep. Nails the nail on the head or whatever. I'm sorry. Yeah. In the torso. Yeah. And the police are saying this one's not linked. That's interesting. Yeah. So now I'm <laughs> going to talk about Shannon who I mentioned earlier, who started the search of and where police found all these bodies. So Shannon was a 24-year-old escort who was last seen leaving to see a client in Oak Beach after midnight on May 1st, 2010. At 4.51 a.m., 911 dispatchers received a panicked phone call from Shannon, who was saying that someone was after her and that they were trying to kill her. She was last seen shortly after the call, banging on the front door of a nearby Oak Beach residence, screaming for help. 
After 19 months of searching, police found her remains half a mile from where she was last seen. So for this one, like, so, okay, I'm thinking, if I'm running around a neighborhood banging on people's doors, everybody and their cousin has a ring doorbell now. Yes, but this was back in 2010. Okay, I don't know why I thought it was more recent. Okay, okay, okay. So yeah, 2010, probably not a ring doorbell. Right. In May 2012, the Suffolk County Medical Examiners ruled that Shannon had accidentally drowned after entering the marsh where her body was found. They believe she was in a drug-induced panic and concluded that it was a, quote, death of misadventure. That's, like, on her medical records? Yeah. Like, her death? It, yeah. Her family strongly believes she was murdered. Yeah. I Well, I, oh my gosh. I would, too. I would want anything except for that stupid excuse for a death. Like, what? A misadventure? Okay. Are you kidding? This, what is it? An entanglement. She found herself in an entanglement. Now she's dead. No. No. Like, no. Absolutely not. I mean, obviously she was coherent enough to call 911. Yeah, and for them to take it seriously, yeah. look for her for months, right. and yeah, yeah, no. So on November 15, 2012, Shannon's mother filed a lawsuit against the Suffolk County Police Department. So I think this police department was a little corrupt. This is the same dude that, like, blocked the FBI. Dun-dun-dun! So, I'm just gonna leave that out there. Uh, <laughs> so, her her mother filed a lawsuit uh, in the hopes of getting more answers about what happened the night Shannon went missing. So, they were able to hire a forensic pathologist named Michael Baden to conduct an independent autopsy of Shannon's remains in hopes of clearing... Uh, clearing her entanglement. Yeah, yeah. Determining a clear cause yeah. of death is what I meant Jeez. to say. Um, so, oh. upon examination, Baden found damage to her hyoid bone, which suggests that she may have been strangled. He also noted that her body was found face up, which is uncommon for drowning victims. Yeah, but you and I both know she didn't drown. Correct. Right. So, Despite his findings, Shannon's death is still listed as an accident. Is that because he wasn't the, like, appointed coroner or something? That is bizarre. Yeah, I don't know. Hmm. Sus. Very sus. So, on July 23rd, 2016, this is so sad, Shannon's mother was stabbed to death in her home in Ellenville, New York. Holy shit. Just wait. Later that day, her younger daughter, Sarah Gilbert, was arrested and charged with the murder. What the fuck? Okay, yeah. So this family was just all kinds of fucked up. That's insane. Yeah. That's that terrible. This poor yeah. family. Oh my I god. I know. Oh my like her god. mom is literally just trying to fight for her daughter who's dead. And then her other her daughter, other daughter murders her. Stabs her to death. Oh my god. Oh my god. Yeah. Turn of events. Yeah. On May 13th, 2022, the Suffolk County Police Department finally released the 911 call. So, now I'm going to talk about Natasha Jugo. 
Natasha was 31 years old when she was last seen leaving her home in Queens Village, New York on March 16th, 2013 at 4.30 a.m. The following day, her wallet, ID, and clothing were discovered abandoned along Ocean Parkway close to Gilgo Beach. Her 2009 Toyota Prius was also found abandoned near the beach with footprints in the sand leading towards the water. Her body was discovered floating in the water on June 24, 2013. Hers was, hers was the 11th human body to be found at Gilgo Beach since December 2010. So between 2010 and 2013, they found 11 bodies. But she's the only one, at least the one that we've talked about, that was just like floating in the water. Yeah, right? her body, her body mm. showed no obvious signs of trauma. So I feel like, I feel like this must be just like a dumping ground for people. And what? I'm like, like it has to be. Yeah, <laughs> like, but like what? But, uh, I I feel like there can't be that many coincidences. 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 Yeah. No, that's true. I don't know. Maybe. Maybe. Um, remember how we talked about that place around Montana that like you can go and dump bodies because there's no Yes. Like the like triangle. What if it's, it's like a triangle yes. of like no there's no law enforcement like Yes. Yeah. What if it's just kind of like known in the serial killer community, hey, you can go drop bodies off near Go Go Beach. Yeah. You know? Or like it's not uh, that far-fetched. I don't want to throw this out here, but I'm going to. Okay. <laughs> Are you thinking where I'm thinking? Probably. It's like, it could be someone that has authority and, you know, or multiple oh. people that have authority. That's not what I was thinking. And that's what all I'm going to say. Oh. And the plot thickens. Yeah. I don't want to go mm. around making accusations, but it's possible your little tin hat theory there jess yep anyways um so now i'm going to talk about two on two bodies that have been found that are still considered unidentified the first one i'm going to talk about is cherries aka unidentified woman mamaronek Mamaronek. I don't know how to say that. You mean, tell me we have peaches and cherries? Correct. As names? Okay. Odd. Wait. This is so similar to peaches. It's insane. On March 3rd, 2007, a suitcase containing the dismembered torso of an unidentified Hispanic or light-skinned African-American woman washed up on a beach at Harbor Island Park in the town of Mamaronek. The victim had a tattoo of two cherries on her left breast, similar to peaches. Okay, so going back she to, like, de- talking about pimps putting you on Craigslist, like, that seems pretty, like, must put fruit on boobs or something. Like, I don't know. Yeah. Weird. Okay. I don't know. It's just, like, yeah. So, she was determined to have been stabbed to death. One of her legs washed up on March 21st, 2007 at Cold Spring Harbor, and the other washed up at Oyster Bay the following day. The victim was dismembered in a fashion similar to Jessica Taylor, Valerie Mack, and Peaches. Okay, so then this really brings in the, it could be a group of people home, like, the idea, you know? Okay, 
odd. Mm-hmm. Don't like. Don't like at all. Nope. And the last one I'm going to talk about is known as Unidentified Woman Laddington. Lad- Laddingtown. It's Laddingtown, but I want to say Laddington because it sounds better. On January 23rd, 2013, a woman found human remains while walking her dog along the shore near Oyster Bay. The skeletal remains showed signs of trauma and were wrapped in a material that police have not disclosed. It's interesting that they're keeping that piece to themselves, but okay. Yeah. The remains are believed to be those of a woman between the age of 20 and 30 who is possibly Asian. She was wearing a 22-carat solid gold pig pendant. Um, Investigators believe that her body had been dumped before Hurricane Sandy in 2012. Unlike... For it to be a solid gold pig, like, to me that says that this is somebody that was not a sex worker. Yeah. Like, a solid... I I mean, a solid gold pig, I feel like, would be something worth value. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, this person is still unidentified, so it's possible. Unlike other victims, though, her body was buried rather than left above ground. So I feel like this one is not connected. But it's literally just part of the dumping ground. I'm not laughing. That's fucking terrible. But, you know, the dumping ground that is Goga Beach. I know. So we have Rex, who we know murdered for, may have done more than that. And now I'm going to talk about this other guy who is a person of interest. Okay, who may be the second part of the group. Potentially. Gotcha. Okay. So this person, his name is John Bitroth. On September 12th, 2017, Suffolk County Prosecutor Robert Bianca Villa suspected that John Biltroth, Bitroth, sorry, may have committed some of the Gilgo Beach murders. Bitrolf was um, was a Suffolk County resident who was convicted on May, in May 2017 of murdering two sex workers and was suspected in the murder of a third. And it was said there were similarities between the Gilgo Beach crime scenes and his known murders. Okay, that's really interesting. Yeah. Also interesting to have the same MO, like... Mm-hmm. Like, brother M.O.s, you know? That's odd. Yeah. I mean, these are people, like... I've heard about cases like this on, like, Criminal Minds and, like, people that hate, like, sex workers. I keep thinking of SVU. Like, this sounds like a familiar SVU. Yeah. yeah. Yes, or SVU. Mm-hmm. It's definitely it's definitely interesting, and I could talk about it for days just because there's so much to talk about. Um <laughs> As I've gone on for almost eight pages of notes. <laughs> Holy shit, Jess, you have eight pages of notes for this? Yes. I mean, I guess it makes sense. We're, yeah, we're an hour in. Yeah. It's crazy. Sorry, it's a long one, guys. <laughs> um, but I'm almost done, I promise. Okay, so back to John. He was arrested in 2014 after his DNA was found onto, on his two victims, Rita Tangretti and Colleen McNamee whose bodies were found in 1993 and 1994. The match had been made because his brother sent in DNA as he was convicted of an unrelated case in 2013. Oh my gosh, so like literally brothers that commit crimes. Okay, weird. 
So like maybe he's a part of it too. I don't know. Right. But, but, well, he's gonna he's gonna know where the dumping ground is too. Yeah. Creepy. <laughs> Ooh. I may I may have got something here. John was sentenced to fifty years, twenty five years per murder. Um, and his attorney rejected the prosecutor's assertion. Oh, so his lawyer spoke on that, like, nope, that wasn't yeah, him. Yeah, exactly. But, like... No, he only murdered these people. <laughs> like, okay, good, good case. Yeah. Great, bro. <laughs> Solid. <laughs> so, John lived in Manorville, 30 miles from where Jessica Taylor and Valerie Mack's torsos were recovered. And he was noted... He was a noted hunter who, quote, enjoyed killing animals. And he was a carpenter by trade, so he had access to tools that could easily dismember bodies. I mean, that's just a little suspicious. Did he kill little dogs, too? Like, Probably. Hmm. He said he liked right, killing probably. animals. Yeah. Probably. Suspicious. Um, this is kind of a wild fact. Uh, Rita Tangretti's daughter was best friends with Melissa Bartholomew, who was one of the Gilgo Beach victims. Melissa's mother, I said this earlier, but Melissa's mother said that uh, she had a lot of calls to Manorville from her phone before her death. And like, what the hell was I about to say? I completely forgot. The connection. Well, yeah, that's what I was going to say. The coincidences, like... They really run deep. I don't know. Really, it sounds like there's a group chat out there somewhere that we're missing. <laughs> Literally. Seriously. Yeah. yeah. Like, there's a group. Yeah. Like, somebody somebody has access to these files somewhere on a Google Drive. I don't know. Yeah. But this is... Like, all of this is too coincidental. Isn't it insane? Um. So, according to the New York Times, there is a profile of the killer. Z- I'm going to say killer because they say it's one person, I guess. Um, So, according to the New York Times, the Long Island serial killer was most likely a white male in his mid-20s to mid-40s and is very familiar with the South Shore of Long Island and had access to burlap sacks. He may have detailed knowledge of law enforcement techniques and perhaps ties to law enforcement. So, like, literally some kind of Dexter shit going on right now. Like, like, they've infiltrated the system, and... Yes. Damn. Yeah. Dang. Okay. And in between 20 and 40, like, okay. That's... That's it. huge gap. Yes. But, okay, thanks. But, like, 20 and 40 when? Because there were killings from, like, the 80s. Maybe he started when he was 20, and he would be 40... No. No. I don't know. I'm still sold on the fact that it's a group of people. It's not just one person. Completely sold on that. Completely. Yeah. Well, according to investigators, there may be more than one killer. And that's my last bullet. <laughs> oh, you don't say. <laughs> but one of them has been caught. Right. Potentially two. Eventually. I know. And he's going to trial. So, stay He's going tuned. To trial. <laughs> Anyways, so yeah, that's that's what I have on the Long Island serial killers. The group yes. of Long Island killers. Yes, I coined that one. If any, if that comes up, it was me. I did that. The group, the, the group, group chat of. <laughs> 
I'm telling you it's a group chat and they probably do it in Snapchat because that's what all dummies do. Except for it used to be in paper form because, right, it was the 90s, but now it's on Snapchat. <laughs> and <laughs> I just wonder, I'm, yeah, there's got to be some connection. Can that work? Yeah. Somewhere. Yeah. Weird, right? Yeah. Creepy as hell. Yeah. And we haven't done a serial killer in a while. Or serial killers. No kidding. That one was loopy. I know. But I literally wanted to give you guys everything that I found. Um, and I'm sure we will do update episodes on this. Yeah. No kidding. As the group unravels. If you guys want to email us, email us at stayinsidepod at gmail.com. Follow us on Instagram at stayinsidepodcast. Or follow us on Twitter at stayinsidepod. And keep hanging out with us because we love you. Yeah, and we are fun and so funny. (laughs) (laughs) At least we think we're funny. (laughs) We're funny to each other. That's what matters. At the very least, that's so true. Yeah. Anyways. Okay, (laughs) keep listening. I hope you all have a good weekend. Yeah. All right. Bye. Bye.